the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTB is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. I'm talking about being a husband and leading your wife. I'm talking about being a, a disciple maker and stepping in and, and, and helping in the maturing process of babes in Christ. I'm talking about perhaps to some stepping in and being deacons in this church or in other churches or being an elder in this church or other churches, youth workers, Sunday school teachers, Christian teachers in Christian schools, leading your own children. In any phase of, of the Christian world, you are going to be leading somebody. And there's coming a day that you and I are going to have to take our place in those positions of leadership. We've got to fill their shoes. Whether you realize it or not, that role will someday be yours. What you do with it depends on your obedience to the Word of God. The average follower of Jesus Christ is content to just sit back and relax in their spiritual journey. But that's not what Jesus has in mind when he gives us the gift of eternal life. It's what the Apostle Paul calls for in Romans 12, 1 and 2. When we realize what it cost God the Father to sacrifice his only son Jesus on the cross, the most reasonable thing for us to do is to give our lives fully to serving him. That will involve getting out of the bleachers, stepping into the arena, and taking our place in the battle. Welcome to Verse by Verse. In today's class, Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, begins the last message in this series on Elijah, that well-known Old Testament prophet. The God of Elijah lives on, and our study is about making a smooth transition as the mantle is passed on to Elisha. At the end of the program, I will tell you how you can get a copy of this study to listen to again. If you are able, open your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 19. Have your pencil and notepad ready. There is a lot of material to consider in the next few minutes. Here is Pastor Steve. I'd like you to turn your Bibles not to 1 Kings, but to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2 as we close our series on the prophet Elijah, the prophet of power. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. In other words, be quiet. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, 
Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, he answered, yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now, 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters. And they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Now it came about when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, You've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken away from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it came about as they were going along and talking that, Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha sought and cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite him saw, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. One mark of a true servant of God is that he realizes that he's not indispensable. He understands that he's only a tool in the hands of Almighty God. He grasps his own unimportance in the plan of God. And when he dies or she dies, there's an understanding that the work of God goes on without them. But sometimes it takes a while for us to learn this, this truth. Human nature, being what it is, sinful, self-centered, stuck on itself, tends to blind us to the fact that we aren't as important as we'd like to think that we are. I'm convinced after studying the life of Elijah from the beginning to the end of what the scripture records for us, that Elijah, the prophet, lost sight of this truth. He lived in a day of apostasy, a day in which the Jewish people followed idols rather than the Lord God, Jehovah. And the Lord raised Elijah up to perform miracle after miracle, miracle of power, one after another, in order that the people might recognize that, that the Lord, he's God, and that they might return to him rather than follow idols like Baal, and that they might also recognize that Elijah is his spokesman, his messenger, his prophet. This man, Elijah, was privileged to do things that nobody else had ever done. He prayed for rain to cease, and it did for three and a half years. He was fed by, by birds at a brook miraculously. He was sustained by a destitute Gentile widow. He raised the widow's son back to life. He called down fire from heaven. He prayed for rain, and it rained. I mean, this man did unique things, things that don't happen all the time. Unique in his day and age. But in spite of all the miracles and all the unusual things he was, he was privileged to participate in, Elijah saw little results 
in his ministry. Very little response to his ministry. And he concluded in a moment of depression and discouragement while under a juniper tree that he was the only faithful one left in Israel. He says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10 and 14, two times he says, when the Lord said, Elijah, what are you doing here? You're not a cave dweller. You ought to be back at Jezreel with your people, ministering. Elijah says, well, Lord, the reason being that, look at this people. They've done everything terrible. They've torn down your altars. They don't follow you. And now they take, they seek my life. And Lord, I'm the only one left. I'm all that you've got left. Nobody else but me, Lord. Just kind of a pity party. Thinking that he's the only faithful one left in Israel. And God had to inform him that he wasn't the only one left. There were 7,000 true believers in Israel who hadn't bowed the knee to Baal or kissed Baal. You see, Elijah had reached a very dangerous point in his spiritual life. He had been used mightily by the Lord. But in the midst of being used mightily, he had forgotten that God was in charge, not him. He had forgotten who really called the shots. He had forgotten who the sovereign one was, and he lost sight of the ministry. He lost sight of his role as just a servant, and nothing more, nothing less. He lost sight of the Lord. And he thought that the entire work of God rested upon his shoulders rather than the Lord's. And Elijah serves as a warning to us, to New Testament Christians, all of us, to be careful that we don't start thinking that we're the only vessels that the Lord can use. The work of God goes on with us or without us. Now, that may be very humbling to us, but that is truth. That is the fact. That is fact. That is the, the tenor of Scripture from the beginning to the end. That God raises up men and women. But they're not the only ones he uses. And Elijah needed to learn this lesson. So God had to teach him a very humbling lesson. Back in 1 Kings 19, right after Elijah said this, God said, Elijah, you've missed the point. And I'm going to paraphrase and give it in other words of what God was saying. Remember, he told him about he's got Haziel, he's got Jehu, and he's got Elijah, and then there's 7,000. And, and in essence, this is what God was saying. Elijah, you aren't the only one I can use. You aren't indispensable. You're just a vessel. I've got other vessels at my disposal. Haziel shall be my vessel to deal with Israel, and Jehu shall be my vessel to deal with Ahab's house. And Elijah shall replace you as my spokesman to Israel. And in addition to these three vessels, I've got 7,000 believers in Israel that I could use at any time, Elijah, and you need to learn that. Now, don't misunderstand. God was not laying Elijah aside. He was not saying, you're through, you're washed up. No, he really didn't do that. The Lord didn't put Elijah on the shelf. His prophetic ministry wasn't over, but it was drastically altered and changed. It was changed. As I read the scriptures, I don't see Elijah being used like he was before. I think there's a sense of discipline, but I think there's a lesson involved in it. But he wasn't totally put on the shelf. Elijah just had to learn that he wasn't indispensable. So while God didn't totally lay him aside, he did humble him by giving him one primary task. You know what that primary task was? Train Elijah to take your place. Oh, that's humbling, isn't it? Train, I want you to invest your life in training someone who's going to be your successor. 
I want you to turn back to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want you to see that. And Elijah understands what's going on. Elijah's beginning to get things back into perspective. Verse 19 of 1 Kings 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with the twelve pairs of oxen before him, and he, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed over to him, and he threw his mantle on him. Now, what did that mean? It was symbolic gesture that meant that Elijah was chosen to follow and assist Elijah. He threw his mantle. In other words, follow me. You're my successor. Verse 20. And Elisha, that is, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, please let me kiss my father and my mother. Then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? You know, in other words, what he was saying, very simple, is do what you have to do. My assignment has been carried out. If you've got to go back, then go back. It's my job to just call you. Do what you have to do. And that's what he did. Verse 21. So he returned from following him. He took the pair of oxen. He sacrificed them. He boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen. And he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. He unyoked his team. He butchered both beasts. He smashed up their wooden, uh, the wooden yoke and plow into, into firewood. He used this plowing equipment to cook a farewell meal for his family. And then he just left and he followed Elijah. He was obedient. And so the process began. Now for the next uh, few years, we're not sure exactly how many. Some believe about six years, maybe between six to ten years. We hear very little concerning Elijah and Elisha. Very little. Practically nothing. They're basically, uh, they basically dropped out of sight. Why? Because the training process is going on. Elijah is investing his life into Elisha to train him to replace Elijah. During this period of time, we read of only two incidents in the life of Elijah. They're important incidents, though, so let me just briefly say it. Two evidences that he was still useful to the Lord. And I want you to realize this. Elijah was given the task of pronouncing Ahab and Jezebel's doom. In case you ever wonder what happened to Ahab and Jezebel, you need to go back and, and read the portions that we're not studying. But Elijah is, is to tell them that enough is enough. God is going to deal with you in judgment. And he did. And so in, in God's own grace and wonderful way, he gave Elijah the opportunity to wipe out the stain of his previous cowardice when he ran from Jezebel. And there's another demonstration of God's graciousness to Elijah because the second incident in which we read about Elijah is that he performs a miracle in calling down fire from heaven when armed bands were sent to capture him involving Ahab's son. That was God's confirmation that he was still the prophet of power, even though his ministry had changed. He still could perform miracles. But now that Ahab and Jezebel were out of the way, or at least taken care of in the sense that doom would come, the Lord is ready to take Elijah home to heaven. His work is finished. And Elisha is ready to step in and take his place. And that's really what Second Kings Chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, is all about. It tells us the story of Elijah being taken to heaven without dying. Miraculous story. But I don't think that's the message of Second Kings chapter 2. I think that's the story that's there. But the pattern, is, as I read this this week, time after time after time, 
the pattern of this passage becomes very clear. The message and the focal points and the theme of this passage is the changing of the guard, the passing of the baton, the, the, the closing and ceasing of one's, one man's ministry and the raising up of another man's ministry. That is what the thrust of this passage is all about. It's an understanding that the work and the plan of God continues in spite of the vessel that God uses. And this morning we want to look at the ends of Elijah's ministry and the beginning of Elisha's ministry. Don't confuse them. I'll probably do that as I go through the message, as I say them, but you understand. Elijah is closing his ministry. Elisha is just beginning his ministry. And we want to look at it from the standpoint of you and I taking our place in the Lord's service. It's a very practical message. It isn't just related to back then. It's a message for us today. I want you to know that someday the Christians who once nurtured you and taught you and ministered to you will be gone. A generation will pass away. And it will be our responsibility to step in and to lead and to train and to minister and to stand for the truth. And I'm not talking about what we call the official ministry, which I'm not sure what that exactly is, but I'm not talking about a pastorate or, or just being a missionary. I'm talking about being a parent and leading your children. I'm talking about being a husband and leading your wife. I'm talking about being a, a disciple maker and stepping in and, and, and helping in the maturing process of babes in Christ. I'm talking about perhaps to some Stepping in and being deacons in this church or in other churches or being an elder in this church or other churches. Youth workers, Sunday school teachers, Christian teachers in Christian schools, leading your own children. In any phase of, of the Christian world, you are going to be leading somebody. And there's coming a day that you and I are going to have to take our place in those positions of leadership. We've got to fill their shoes. Whether you realize it or not, that role will someday be yours. What you do with it, with it depends on your obedience to the Word of God. Now, the passage before us gives us principles that we need to know if there's to be a smooth transition, a smooth transition as the work of God continues. That's what the Lord wants, a smooth transition. Three things, if you're taking notes, this is the outline, three things must take place in a person's life, if there's to be that smooth transition from one leader to another. Three things. Number one, he must anticipate resistance and deal with it. He must anticipate resistance. Number two, he must aspire after the right things. Aspire after the right things. And number three, he must accept responsibility. Accept the responsibility and not shirk it. So number one, let's look at the, the, uh, the first thing that must take place in a servant's life, if there's to be a smooth transition, anticipate resistance. Let's look at verses 1 through 6, and then I'll explain it. And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know what the Lord that do you know that the Lord will take away your master from, from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know, be still. And Elijah said to, to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. 
And the sons of the prophets who are at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know what the Lord, the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, I know, be still. Then Elisha said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now, what do you make of this? This is, this is an unusual passage of Scripture. How do you make sense out of these verses? Well, let me attempt to do it. For one thing, it's important to realize that all of this took place on one day. I mean, it may seem very scrambled to you. It, it, it looks like this. At first glance, it looks awfully confusing. You've got Elijah going around different cities in Israel, Elisha running after him. Then you've got this group called the Sons of the Prophets who are saying, you know, that this man's going to be taken from you. And, and Elisha is really saying, keep quiet, I don't want to hear it. And, and all of this it looks very confusing, but it's not. It's taking place in one day, one special day, one eventful day. And if you look at verse 1, it'll give you a clue. This is the day that the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven. This is graduation day. For Elijah, this is coronation day. This is where Elijah enters into the presence of the Lord. This is his day of glory. And the scene before us is Elijah's preparation for this event. Elijah knows it. Somehow God has communicated it to the prophet. I don't know how. Elijah knows it. Elisha knows it. And a group of, the, of men called the sons of the prophets know it. And Elijah is preparing for his departure. And how did he invest his last hours on earth? He tested the commitment and the faithfulness of his successor, Elisha. That's really what this is. It's a test of his commitment. When Elijah told Elisha not to follow him any longer, it wasn't because he wanted to get rid of this guy. He's been training him for years. He doesn't want to get rid of him. He's testing him to see if he could be persuaded from doing what God had called him to do. What had God called him to do? He threw that mantle on him and he followed Elijah. God had called Elisha from being a farmer on his father's farm to going into the prophetic ministry and following in the footsteps of the great prophet Elijah. And he understood that. Now Elijah went from town to town with Elisha following close behind and it was the delight to Elijah's heart. Don't misunderstand. Don't think that he's disappointed because he can't get rid of this fellow. He's delighted. He wants this to take place. He, in his own heart, he's saying, here's a man who has tenacity. Here's a man who can't be sidetracked. Here's a man who, who is persistent, who won't give up. A man with a backbone. That's what Israel needs. A firm man, strong in spirit, who won't easily be persuaded to do other things. How crucial it is for a leader to look for the person God has in mind to be the replacement. Not everyone is cut out to be a leader, but all should be willing to help in the work of the church, missions, and sharing Jesus' love with those around us. I pray that this Bible study has encouraged you to get involved right where you are. You will be blessed by it, and the Lord can use you greatly in his vast harvest fields. You can listen to today's class again by going online to our website, versebyverseradio.org. There you may download the message to listen to later. There are many messages available for free download. You may also sign up for our free podcast service as well as the free quarterly newsletter. Our email address is contact at versebyverseradio.org and our phone number is 727-239-0306. 
We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about this program or anything in the Christian life, please feel free to contact us. Our goal for these broadcasts is to strengthen your walk with the Lord Jesus or point you to him if you have never placed your trust in him for salvation from sin and its consequences. You may also write us and request materials that will enrich your Christian experience. Our mailing address is Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Our phone number once again is 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve would love to meet you if you are able to attend a service. Call the church at 727-441-1714 for service times. In our next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will be discussing the opposition followers of Jesus can expect when they decide to faithfully serve him. Be sure to join us. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.